Well, uh, as Pastor Corey said, my name is Brian, and uh, I get the honor to serve uh, here as uh, the lead ministries pastor, and uh, it is really, truly an honor to open up God's Word with you this morning. As was said, we're, we're continuing on in our series in Ephesians. And so you can open up a Bible right now to Ephesians chapter 4. Uh, if you don't have one on your phone or near you, you can just look. There's, there's Bibles all throughout the, uh, the rows here. And you really, truly, you're going to want to get your eyes there. We're going to start in Ephesians chapter 4, verse 17. However, if you're anything like me, uh, it's been more than 15 minutes since we've opened up to Ephesians. And so I have no idea where we've come from, uh, forgotten all of it. So I thought it would be helpful kind of to start us off as we're getting back into this series with a little bit of review. If you remember the first three chapters of Ephesians were really all about our position in Christ. In Ephesians chapter 1, we learned that as children of God, we have an inheritance in Jesus Christ and we are under the authority of Jesus Christ. In Ephesians chapter 2, we see that God, in his great mercy, even though we were dead, were dead, now we are alive in Christ by grace through faith. That is our position in him. And that we are unified together regardless of our own personal backgrounds. In Ephesians 3, Paul goes into even greater detail about the mystery of the gospel that has been entrusted to him and talks about how the church is therefore designed to kind of get this uh, message of the gospel out into the world so that other people would know what Jesus Christ has done. But after those first three chapters where Paul is establishing and rooting our position in Christ so that we can rest in Christ, Paul makes a transition. It's not just about position in Christ so that we rest in Christ. It's also about our practice in Christ so that we would walk in Christ. And two weeks ago, uh, Pastor Brock preached on Ephesians chapter 4, 11 through 16. And so uh, since we are going to pick up the baton from there, I thought it'd be helpful to read it and, and have this in our minds because it's really going to set the stage for what Paul is saying today. Ephesians chapter 4, verse 11, and he gave, that's Jesus Christ, the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the shepherds, and teachers to equip the saints for the work of ministry, for building up the body of Christ. Verse 13, until we all attain to the unity of the faith and the knowledge of the Son of God, to mature adulthood, to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ. See that where he's talking about, we got to grow up. We got to mature in Christ. We have to attain to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ. It's time to grow up. Verse 14, so that, this is the, uh, what happens if we don't, so that we may no longer be children tossed to and fro by the waves and carried about by every wind of doctrine, by human cunning, by craftiness and deceitful schemes. Rather, instead of that, speaking the truth in love, we are to grow up in every way into him who is the head, Jesus Christ, from whom the whole body joined and held together by every joint with which it is equipped, when each part is working properly, makes the body grow up so that it builds itself up in love. See, maturity in Christ is the target for every believer. Christ-likeness, attaining to the stature of the fullness of Christ, is the target for every single believer. Being like Jesus. That's it. That's what we're after. But if I'm honest, 
If I evaluate my life, the practices of my life, I recognize a pretty substantial gap. There's some things about my life that I, I look at and I go, Monday through Friday, ugh. I wish I wasn't like that anymore. There's some things I wish I could be free of. But not just that, there's some things that I wish were true of me. And we see this gap between my position in Christ and the one I'm supposed to be like and what my life looks like Monday through Friday and Saturday and Sunday. So how do we get there? How do we close that gap? How do we reach maturity? In the passage today, Paul is going to reveal to us this path forward. He's going to uh, reveal that to us through this navigation of position and who we are and practice, how we should live. And the path to closing that gap is found in living out of who we are in Christ. Understanding who we are in Christ will dramatically change how we live. Let's pray. God, you have done the work of redemption. It is because of the finished work of Christ that we can even be talking about this. But God, we're going to see the path ahead. and Lord, bring us conviction. Help us to see it for what it is and put away what it's not. Lord, help us to become more like you. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, here we go. Ephesians chapter 4, verse 17. Get your eyes on it. This is where we're going to be for the rest of the day. 417, now this I say and testify in the Lord. Paul is already, he's like establishing an authority. He's like, these words come from me, Paul, or come from God, but through me. And he says that you must no longer walk as the Gentiles do in the futility of their minds. This is an instruction. This is a command. You must no longer walk that way. Paul is making an, an insistence for behavioral change because of a condition change. He's making an insistence for a change in practice because of our change in position. But it's not just that. He's also revealing to us who we were. How do the Gentiles, the unredeemed people, non-people of God, how do they walk? Well, they walk in the futility of their minds. How many of you ever gotten stuck in the mud uh, in, in a truck or a car or anything like that? It's the worst in a truck because there's no weight in the back. It's the most frustrating thing ever. Generally, uh, when you drive, you put on the gas and you make forward progress. When you are stuck in the mud, you uh, put on the gas and your tires spin and you make no forward progress. In fact, uh, chances are you're just spitting mud out the back and you're making it worse. It's the most frustrating thing. So much energy, so much activity, so much going into it, and you are getting nowhere. That's futility. 
That's what Paul is saying the mind of the unredeemed does for you. If Christ's likeness is the target, an unredeemed mind makes no progress. Tons of activity, tons of energy, tons of thinking, and absolutely no progress. This is because spiritual growth does not happen apart from God. The unredeemed mind cannot accomplish it. Why, Paul? The unredeemed mind will never close that gap because, verse 18, they are darkened in their understanding, alienated from the life of God because of the ignorance that is in them due to their hardness of heart. Do you notice he says that they're uh, darkened because of, uh, alienated because of the ignorance due to their hardness of heart? What he's saying is it's not just that they don't know, it's that they don't want to know. Verse 19, they have become callous and have given themselves up to sensuality, greedy to practice every kind of impurity. (laughs) So it's not just that they're spinning their tires and not making progress towards righteousness. In fact, it's the exact opposite. We're going backwards here. Callous and given up to sensuality, greedy to practice every kind of impurity. Now, before we start looking down on people, as we are so inclined to do, Remember that Paul is saying, this is who you were. You must no longer walk this way. This is how we all walked before Christ. This is who we all were before Christ. Without Christ, this is me. Without Christ, this is you. Without Christ, this is every child that I have, and I have a lot. This is every child that you have. Without Christ, unable to make any progress whatsoever towards righteousness because of the futility of their minds. Spinning tires, lots of activity, and no progress. Verse 20, but that is not the way you learned Christ. And I love this, this little, he gives a little parenthetical here. He's like, assuming that you have heard about him and were taught him, because uh, as the truth is in Jesus, so it may be that the gap that you're experiencing is actually because you don't know who Jesus is. But, but assuming that you do know about him, that is not the way you learned Christ. Verse 22, to put off your old self, which belongs to your former manner of life and is corrupt through deceitful desires. That's who you were to be renewed in the spirit of your minds and to put on the new self created after the likeness of God and true righteousness and holiness. The beginning of closing this gap is understanding that you are not the same person you were. Number one, you are not who you were. Stop living like you don't know Christ. Paul spends verses 17 through 19 kind of explaining who we were. And then in verse 20 through 22, he's uh, saying, that's not what you learned. That's not how you're supposed to live anymore. Put off this old person. And uh, you can see it here on the screen, this kind of layout. This is where we're going to be for the rest of the day. Uh, Put off this old person, be renewed, put on the new person, and then this is how we ought to live. He's putting forward this beautiful path forward. Put off who you were. Put off all the things that belong to your former manner of life. It's corrupt and broken through deceitful desires. Now, why does Paul give us this command? 
Paul gives us this command because sometimes we still live like we don't know Christ. Sometimes we as believers, even after we've become believers, act like we're not believers. And Paul is waking up, uh, begging us to wake up and see that this pattern of living makes no sense. Y'all know what this is? It's a hospital gown. You put it on when you go to the hospital, right? When you wear this, it means something about you. If you can actually get it on. <laughs> you wear this when you're a patient. You go in, you're laying in a hospital bed, you got stuff sticking out of your arm. It means something about your current condition. It means that there's something in your body that's broken, something in your body that needs to be healed, someone is working on you, something needs to be repaired. Now imagine, when you're in the hospital, it makes complete sense. But imagine that you're, uh, you know, it's a Thursday night, you're free from the hospital, you're out, you're healed. You're like, oh, I'm gonna go see the movie. Uh, I'm gonna go see the movie with, with my wife or friends or whatever, I'm gonna be out. And, Man, what should I wear? I know, I'm gonna put on the hospital gown. You show up, you're buying your tickets, getting your popcorn. People are gonna look at you like you're insane. Why? Because it makes no sense. You were a patient. If you're wearing this thing, you should be in the hospital, not at the movies. You were a patient, but you were healed. The procedure went well. You're out of the hospital. You take it off and you don't wear it anymore. That's not who you are. And Paul is saying the exact same thing about you, believer. You were broken. You were separated from God. You needed to be repaired. And Jesus Christ did the work. And now you're restored to relationship with him. You have all of this position in Jesus Christ. So stop putting on the old person. It doesn't make sense. It doesn't line up. It's not who you are anymore. It's completely incongruous for a follower of Jesus Christ to live the way they did before they knew Christ. Now, some of you in the room need to start battling your sin. See, one of the things that I think we, we do is uh, we look at the grace of God and so we say, well, God's gonna forgive me of this so I don't need to move forward. I don't need to mature. I don't need to grow in Christ-likeness. I don't need to close the gap in my life because Jesus Christ is gonna forgive me. And others of you look at that and go, well, I can never obtain all of that so I can't grow. And Paul is saying both of those things are completely false. You must grow, you need to grow, and you can grow. The burden that I have felt preparing through this is that it becomes very much about just put it off, put it away, be done with it, and it feels so simple. And yet, any of us who have tried to overcome sin know that it is anything but simple. And so we can start to see this path of putting off the old man as just another 
set of rules that I have to follow, things that I have to do, way, uh, and we become crushed by the burden of it. Trying harder doesn't work. Willpower doesn't work. And I don't think Paul's saying that because he continues on and God in his goodness and his grace is revealing to us that putting off the old man isn't the end of this closing the gap journey. It's just the beginning of it. Put off the old self, which belongs to your former manner of life and is corrupt through deceitful desires, is not who you are, and to be renewed in the spirit of your minds and to put on the new self created after the likeness of God in true righteousness and holiness. The first is you are not who you were. Don't live like you know Christ. The second is your thinking guides your living. Allow God to renew your mind. Be renewed in the spirit of your mind. It's so short, but it's absolutely essential and it's kind of been there from the beginning of this passage. Did you see it in there? I'm guessing you did, but just in case you didn't, I want to read back over the section. And uh, anytime you hear a word that has to do with the mind or thinking or understanding or t anything that has to do with any of that, just put a little check mark next to your Bible, the word in your Bible, underline it, give a little grunt, you know, something, uh, just so that we can see that this pattern has been going from the beginning. Verse 17, now this I say and testify in the Lord, that you must no longer walk as the Gentiles do in the futility of their minds. They are darkened in their understanding, alienated from the life of God because of the ignorance that is in them due to their hardness of heart. They've become callous and have given themselves up to sensuality, greedy to practice every kind of impurity, but that is not the way you learned Christ. Now hold up for just a second. That is not the way we talk. I have never said to somebody, how did you learn Christ? That's not the language that we tend to use. We talk about meeting Christ or being transformed by Christ or uh, the relationship that I have with Jesus Christ. And all of that is true and good, but that's not what it says. What it says is that is not the way you learned Christ assuming that you have heard about him and were taught in him as the truth is in Jesus to put off your old self, which belongs to your former manner of life and is corrupt through deceitful desires and to be renewed in the spirit of your minds. So we go from futile thinking, darkened understanding, ignorance to learned Christ, taught in him, truth is in Jesus. So be renewed in the spirit of your minds. We can kind of see the shift from put off to put on, right? And you see the shift from old self to new self, but did you see the shift from feudal mind to renewed mind? If we are to grow 
into maturity in Christ. If we are to close the gap between my position in Christ and my practice in Christ, we must have a spirit-empowered shift in mindset and patterns of thinking. Paul makes clear that the mind is the path to the heart. We would say physically, you are what you eat, right? It means that the things that you consume affect your body, result in uh, consequences or benefit to your body, right? You can't eat a dozen donuts a day and expect to have a six pack. It doesn't make sense. Some of what Paul is revealing to us here is that spiritually, in this similar way, you, you are what you think. The patterns of thinking, the thoughts that you uh, meditate on, the way in which you call truth to your mind will affect you spiritually. You're guided by those patterns of thinking. You can't consume garbage thoughts and expect spiritual maturity. It's not going to happen. Spiritual growth begins in the mind alters the attitudes, and results in new affections and actions. There is a battleground for the mind. Fox News, CNN, Facebook, Instagram, TikTok, Apple News, all of it, are, they're vying for your attention. Your mind is the product that they're selling to advertisers. Your attention, your focus, your eyeballs, that's what they're after, and it works. But righteousness doesn't come through Facebook. Righteousness doesn't come through Fox News. Righteousness comes through a renewed mind through Jesus Christ. Or if we say this another way, the mind is a major artery to the heart. I think this gets missed. We desire to be a different way, usually from good motives, some, sometimes not. I want to stop sinning less. I don't want to be like that anymore. Uh, we're uh, uh, recognizing that there's a gap and we try harder, we work on it, and uh, sometimes we move forward temporarily. And then I'm back at it and I'm more discouraged than ever before. That's because the artery must be disconnected, unclogged, and connected to fresh, healthy nutrients. The mind must be renewed. Can I share one other observation? Put off is an action. You look at the verb. Literally, put it off. Be done with it. That's an action you choose. Put on. It's an action verb. It's a thing you choose. It's a thing we do. Be renewed in the spirit of your mind is not an action verb. It would be uh, present passive infinitive. What that means is you don't do the action, the action happens to you. You don't renew your mind. We don't, <laughs> we're futile. The mind is renewed by Jesus Christ. 
So the question then is, so knowing that I cannot renew my mind, how can I put myself in a position to allow God to renew my mind? And Paul gives us the answer in a parallel passage in Colossians 3. See, Ephesians and Colossians both were written by Paul uh, while he was in prison in Rome. So he had some, some of the same things. He was a little bit annoyed with both of those churches in a similar way. And so in, in Colossians chapter 3, he actually uses some of those same language. He said, put off, put on, be renewed in the knowledge of Jesus Christ. And in uh, verse 2 of Colossians 3, he says this, If you have been raised with Christ, seek the things that are above, where Christ is seated at the right hand of God. Set your mind on things that are above, not on things on earth. If you know Christ, seek him and not old self stuff. Set your mind on things above, not on things down here. Simply get your mind vertical. I'm telling you, if you want to see growth, maturity in Christ, get to know God the Father. Get to know Jesus Christ the Son. Get to know the Holy Spirit. Focus your mind on the one you are called to emulate. You guys wouldn't believe it at this point of my life, but there was a season in which I had a Southern accent. I lived in Georgia for six years. When I first moved there, I'm like, you all are speaking a completely different language. We're fixing to go to the store. What are you, what, what are you fixing? It? I, don't, I don't even know what you're saying. Although I have to say y'all is the best word that has ever been created. There's no plural you in the English language. It's just you, which is confusing. So y'all is like perfect. But then they combine it with everything. So it's all y'all of, which is like all, everyone here should have all y'all of. Uh, it's like, okay. So anyways, you go there and everyone's talking like that and eventually it just kind of like sneaks in and then at one point I'm like visiting my mom in the Midwest and I say fixing to and she just stops. She's like, what'd you say? Because that's where my mind has been, right? There are people that I love and I respect that I want to be like and that's how they talk and so I end up talking like that. You emulate the one you want to be like. You put your mind and your focus and your attention on the one you're supposed to emulate. Jesus Christ, God himself. Spiritual growth will never come through a preoccupation with self. Spiritual growth will only come, maturity will only come through a preoccupation with God. Set your mind and your attention on who God is and your mind will be renewed. Who is God? What's he like? How does he act? How does he respond? What has he told us about himself? Fill your mind with that. Focus your attention on that. And what happens next will flow so naturally from a renewed mind. To put off your old self, which belongs to your former manner of life and is corrupt through deceitful desires, to be renewed in the spirit of your minds and to put on the new self created after the likeness of God in true righteousness and holiness. From corrupt through deceitful desires to being renewed in the spirit of my mind to living out the remade reality of who I am created in the likeness of God in true righteousness and holiness. Gap closed. 
Number three, you are to be like Christ. Pursue righteousness, not just the absence of sin. So it's not enough that we just put this down and be done with it. That's not what we're called to. It's not even enough that you just have new patterns of thinking. That's not, that's not the end of it. That's just the path to it. We have to put on the righteousness of God. New behaviors, new actions. For the sake of illustration, this is the holiest jacket I have. It's a, uh, uh, I was an 11th grade Bible teacher, so this is a Christian school, so uh, this is my righteousness jacket. It's not just enough that we get rid of sin. God is calling us to be like Christ in pursuing righteousness. It's not just the absence of something bad, it is the presence of something good. Which means it's not enough to say, well, I haven't been mean to my wife this week. I haven't yelled at my kids in quite a while. We have to go further than that. We have to ask, how have I served my wife? How have I sacrificed for her? How have I modeled Jesus Christ to my children in the last 24 hours, in my responses and in my attention? It's a substantially higher bar. And that is what Paul is calling us to. That's what Jesus Christ through Paul is calling us to. It's the outpouring of a renewed mind that's been focused on God. And we see this laid out in a really cool way in verses 25 through 32. Paul continues on with this pattern of put off, put on, because. Put off, put on, because. And so we're going to go to verse 25 through 32, and I want you to see that pattern directly in the scriptures. I'm going to put up a chart here so that you can kind of see it, but you should be able to see it right there in your scripture. So, Paul, put off, put on, why? Through the interpersonal realities of this unified body of Christ. Verse 25. Therefore, having put away falsehood, there you go. That's the put off. We're putting off lying. Having put away falsehood, let each one of you speak the truth with his neighbor, for we are members of one another. See the put off, the put on, and the why? The put off, the put on, and the understanding, the mind, that, the focus. But I thought, should go one further than that because it's not just that we should be thinking these things because of this truth that is right but Paul has already set three chapters of who God is and so we put off lying we put on truth-telling because we belong to one another and we emulate God who is a unifying God so did you build up the body of Christ in truth with love this week. Verse 26, be angry and do not sin. Do not let the sun go down on your anger and give no opportunity to the devil. See, we put off sinful anger. We put on reconciliation. 
Why do we do this? Because sinful anger gives the enemy a foothold through unreconciled offenses. Instead of being unified, we are divided. And we emulate God who is a reconciling God. Verse 28, let the thief no longer steal, but let, rather let him labor doing honest work with his own hands so that he may have something to share with anyone in need. We put off stealing, taking stuff that ain't yours. We put on working hard. Why do we do this? What is our rationale? What is the understanding of why we ought to be this way? Because we are to be givers, not takers. Because God is a giving God. Emulate him. Verse 29, let no corrupting talk come out of your mouths. Corrupting talk would be that which discourages, that which tears down, that which disrupts the faith of another. But only such as is good for building up, as fits the occasion, that it may give grace to those who hear and do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God by whom you were sealed for the day of redemption. See, we put off corrupting speech. We put off discouragement. And we put on building up. We put on encouraging one another. Because encouragement is an avenue of grace from God. When you encourage someone, when you build up their faith, you are being used by God as a tool of his grace. But Paul isn't just stopping there. There's also the negative side of that. That when you discourage, when you mess with the faith of another, when you tear down and corrupt, you're grieving the Holy Spirit of God who has sealed you for the day of redemption. In verse 31, he rolls up a bunch of stuff to, to help us see how holistic this is. Then let all bitterness and wrath and anger and clamor and slander be put away from you along with all malice. Be kind to one another, tenderhearted, forgiving one another as God in Christ forgave you. In the area of interpersonal relationships, we put away bitterness, we put away wrath, which is those outbursts of anger. We put away anger, which is the white hot stewing of hatred, clamor, slander, which is essentially uh, saying things that aren't true about another person, malice, a desire for them to come to harm. We put all of that away. And instead we put on kindness and tenderness and forgiveness. And we do that because regardless of their offense to us, Jesus Christ has forgiven us infinitely more. This much. To, and we emulate God who is a forgiving God. See, the gap in my position before God, sinful and condemned dead in my sins, was solved by the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ and applied to my account by grace through faith, done. That is now my position, my new reality in Jesus Christ. My practice, what Paul is saying, needs to align with that. 
the gap in my practice before God, the path and the process was laid by that same completed work of Jesus Christ, but it is something that I have to choose every day. I have to choose to pursue the new self in Jesus Christ, to put away the old self, allow my mind to be renewed in Jesus Christ and put on new patterns and habits of living that are righteous and holy before God. But I have been given from God everything I need in order to accomplish that. He's given us his word. He's given us the Holy Spirit. He's given us brothers and sisters in Christ. And so the question that I want to leave you with, that I want you to wrestle through, is where is the gap closing? Think back over the last year in your life. What areas, aspects, character qualities are more like Jesus Christ today than they were a year ago? And be encouraged by that. You're not who you were. But where is the gap opening? If we're not tearing off after Jesus Christ, seeking to emulate him and put on the new self in righteousness and holiness, it's not staying the same. Left to our own devices, we don't walk towards Christ. But let this be true of us. That we would put off the old man that we would be renewed in the spirit of our minds, that spirit-empowered shift in mindset in patterns of thinking that leads to actions and behaviors and patterns of righteousness and holiness. And let us live the way Paul said we ought to live with one another. Let's pray. Lord, it is because of your finished work in Jesus Christ that we can even be having this conversation. Aside from you, we're dead in our sins, futile in our thinking, darkened in our understanding, separated from you. Because of your work, we have a new position in Jesus Christ. Lord, help us increasingly to live out of that new position to live in the practices of righteousness and holiness. It's only through you that we can do it. God help us.